All right, Justin, sing me a song. That's a really good, like a great song. Up until like the last like 30 seconds. And then it just changes for some reason. And it's just not quite as good as the rest of the song was. Do I have a song like that? <laughs> um, uh, hmm. Wow, that is so oddly specific, and I can't think of a song that I re- that I can. I can't think of one that I can remember where it ends poorly, but starts effectively. Not necessarily ends poorly, just not as high of a quality as the rest of it. You know. Damn, nah, I I don't think I have anything for that. That's so oddly specific. I can't I can't hit it. I don't think I can hit it. All right, I tried. Uh, Heather, your turn. Go. I am racking my brain, and I cannot think of one that that is oddly specific. Like it's, I mean, you're always specific, but that one is a little bit harder to try and find one for. Um. Because I'm usually just kind of like, yeah, this song is good or this song's not good. Like, I cannot think of one. Um, hmm. No, I can't. I can't think of one. You actually have one in mind? No, not really. Okay. Yeah, because I definitely cannot think of one. It's just that's that's what our our topic movie makes me think. So I asked I asked the questions that the gaming gods channel through me. Sometimes, I mean that's fair. Sometimes they channel answers with them, and sometimes they don't. It's whatever their will is. You're just a vessel. I am. I am. I am a conduit for their game. But no, I I, I mm. don't have one specifically for this. I just uh, it's what the question was. So, mm-hmm. I mean, it's unfortunate that you guys, you know, get losses on both of them, and I get nothing. So, <laughs> that's just how the game goes. But. All right. Well, I mean, this is a quick one then. Uh, On to our theme song.
Hey, Cine fans, and welcome back to another episode of the Cinema Slayers Podcast. I'm Sterling, and as always, I'm joined by Heather and Justin. And today we are doing the newest MCU release. We are doing that Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. We will talk about what we like, didn't like, and everything in between with that movie. We will go spoiler-free recommendations and scores, and then into a more spoiler-centric section with time codes in the description to help you bounce around if you so require. And with that... Heather, start us off. Yeah, so I knew zero about Shang-Chi and the Ten Rings. Um, I, yeah, I, I had no idea anything about this until I saw the trailer for it. Uh, never heard of this Marvel hero or anything like it. So I didn't really have an expectation going in. Uh, the trailer did look good, but. Yeah, I I didn't know what to expect. I had nothing to really compare it to. So I was just kind of, I guess I would say indifferent sort of going into this one. But it's actually really good. Like it is, it is up there in my ranking now of uh, Marvel, Marvel movies. And um, yeah, they just, they, they really did a great job with this. I think they do a really good job of, or I think in general, Marvel does a good job of kind of um, exploring the different cultures of the different characters that they they do movies on or stories on, um, and I, I just appreciate that they do that. And they they did that here as well. And um, yeah, I, I just think even like as far as exploring the the background and the history of the culture of the you know, the protagonist in this, it's kind of up to par with sort of Black Panther and how they do and explore the history of, you know, of that, of the culture of Wakanda, you know, but it's just, it's really well done. And, um, it's got some really good funny moments. It's got great dynamics and chemistry between a lot of the characters, um, believable, you know, family dynamics as well. And I do love the music they do in this one. Um, I think that there's a couple of tonal shifts that kind of throw me a little bit, not too much to where like I can't enjoy the movie, but there's just a couple of tonal shifts there that weren't my favorite. Um, I do think that even though it didn't necessarily feel like a super long movie, it did in parts feel long. Like, leaving it, I was like, yeah, it seems like it was over two hours long, you know? Um, but honestly, I just do think that the action sequences are fantastic in this, uh, the fight scenes and all of that. Um, and just, I really liked the backstory. I like the story of, of Shang-Chi and his family and just everything that goes along with what they were, what their adventure was in this, I really enjoyed. And they, they did great with the comedy in this, but also telling a significant story. And yeah, they did their thing. They did their Marvel thing with it, you know, and that usually means good things. So yeah, overall, I would say, especially going into this, like not knowing anything about this character, I was very impressed by this movie and this character, and I really, really enjoyed this movie. Justin, what about you? 
Yeah, so like you, Heather, I I really did not know much about uh, the Shang-Chi character. Um, not him specifically. I, I knew a little bit about the other character that is in this, but I feel like if I say it, it might be a spoiler-ish kind of thing. So I don't know if I should say it or not, but I'll get into it in the um spoilers but no i didn't have much uh knowledge of this character hadn't read much of shang chi or anything like that but boy was i impressed with this movie and i do agree with you i do think that this is top tier marvel like when it's all said and done and you're pulling up that list of top marvel movies i just don't know how you could watch this and it not be there. Like, it's that good of a movie. Uh, like you said, it has incredible fight scenes. Dare I say, it has the best fight scenes of a Marvel movie since probably Winter Soldier, which I still think is kind of like, which has been like the standard bearer, I think, for like the action sequences and stuff like that. But this is right there if it's just beneath winter soldier it's right there along with it like it's the th this is high quality action stuff there are a lot of scenes where there's not a lot of jump cutting you get to see the actors and the people doing the martial arts and stuff like that they do so many awesome things with the camera kind of showing you the location of a fight scene and going in and out of a building or you were looking at a fight in a reflection then we're out of the reflection and we're uh you know it, you know watching the fight up close and they just do so many things with angles and stuff like that um so i just really enjoyed all of the fighting in this and one of the things that we talked about with these mcu movies is that we wanted them to continue to take from different movie genres and different types of movies and incorporate them into their movies. And this is another movie that does that. This very much has a crouching tiger, hidden dragon, uh, Chinese martial arts feel to it. That's what this is. It's a martial arts movie like that, but it's, a Mar but also it's got that Marvel movie dressing. So if you're a person who is a fan of the genre type Marvel movies that, that have come out, um, I think that this is going to be right up your alley because it is very much that. Uh, down to the casting because Michelle Yeoh is in this. And Michelle Yeoh, if you're a martial arts movie fan, I mean, Michelle Yeoh is a legend. She's like probably like the female uh, Jackie Chan or Bruce Lee of like martial arts movies, in my opinion. She's that legendary. She's an absolute like martial arts goddess. Dare I say she's on her own level. Maybe calling her a male somebody is kind of condescending at this point. She's that awesome to me. I've seen a ton of her movies and I was so happy that she was in this. It's like, it, it, it's almost like she just had to be in this. And I'm glad that she was in here. I thought she had a significant role in the movie. Um, the, the leads are great in this. And I'll just say just for the non-spoiler part that uh, Simu Liu 
as Shang-Chi and then Aquafina, and I'll just call her Katie here. Man, they were great together. I love their dynamic. I thought that they were great. Um, and, and, and also, and not only them, but, um, our, antagonist in this um Win Wu or Tony Long Chu Wai who plays like the father in this um Shang Chi's father in this man what a great layered villain he winds up being um and so I just love the dynamic of this family the back and forth of this and everything like that it's a very well told story it's definitely um has Asian culture in it, and I'm pretty sure that, and I'm, I can't speak for Asian people, but I imagine that 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 seeing their traditions and seeing their culture on screen and it celebrated in such a way, I imagine it gave them similar feelings as to what I felt when I was watching Black Panther, which in my opinion is another top-tier Marvel movie. So I think that this was very culturally relevant. It tells a great story it has a very good villain it's well acted and it has some of the best fight scenes and even though it does have a lot of the familiar marvel beats and marvel checklist things in it uh i do feel that all those things were done and executed well so even though yes there are some familiar things nothing was done poorly to me to where it it necessarily takes away from the movie so even though i saw some things coming i knew some things were going to happen because it is an mcu marvel movie they they all felt executed well or they all to me meshed well in the story um for this uh so yeah i think that this is another top marvel movie and i think this year out of all of the move the the comic movies that we've come out with this year which i think is three right black widow um the suicide squad and this i think that this kind of emerges as the best one of those three i think that this is the strongest one overall of the three so dc i'm sorry man i mean i know you tried to take it this year you thought you had the title for best movie but i think that that in the that just at the end you know in that home stretch where we're going for the finish line i think that uh shang chi wins by a nose and probably a kung fu kick to the nose honestly but yeah that's how i feel man i think that this is the strongest comic movie this year and it is one of the strongest marvel movies and it's a great movie you gotta go see this one it's a popcorn good time it's funny it's colorful it's vibrant it's got a lot of heart a very good message and a and a good villain and character so yeah a solid entry from marvel studios I don't know about all that, Justin. I mean, since they're saying it's better than Suicide Squad and shit, I I cannot agree with that at all. Uh, I don't even know if I can agree that this is top tier Marvel. And I think, and if you my 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 song question at the beginning, I think alludes to it with it too. Is I think that this movie is incredibly good. Up until like one third of the way into the final act. And then I think it gets on some bullshit. That really, really detracts from the overall quality of the movie. And the story. 
and the quality of the characters they had built for a lot of this movie. I think that Marvel just got in its own fucking way with this. And it really kind of like upset me that they did that. I think they should have reined it in a little bit at the end instead of just going as big as possible without giving any spoilers. And I think it would have made for a better film. Cause I do agree with you, Justin, that this movie, when it comes to individual fight sequences is probably on the same tier. And the only movie that's on the same tier with the best of that, which is winter soldier. And a lot of that has to do with uh, the fight coordinator, um, Andy Chang, um, which some people might recognize that name because the guy is one of Jackie Chan's crew that is, is in almost every Jackie Chan movie ever and does all those fight sequences with him. You know, it's one of those guys, if you don't okay. recognize the name, you'd recognize the face because you've seen Jackie Chan punch this guy's face before. I promise you. Um, and I think that that's one thing that lends into it because I think that that's one of the best elements of the the bus fight that's in the trailers and that Justin talked about and stuff because that feels very much like a Jackie Chan style fight with like the close quarters and using the elements all around you like with the bus of like spinning around the pole or you know going in the bu- or out the bus on top and then back in the bus that's very much Jackie Chan style of doing stuff but not in a way that just feels cheap like they're they're mimicking a Jackie Chan thing just in a way that is different from the way Marvel typically handles fight scenes and it showed that they very much cared about showing an intimate fight sequence that you don't always get in Marvel especially just straight hand to hand fighting and a lot of it has to do with the fact that a lot of characters have superpowers. So why are you going to have this like amazingly choreographed, choreographed intimate hand to hand fight sequence with a guy in a metal suit or a big hulking green man or a guy with a gigantic hammer? You know, a lot of their characters don't lend into those things. Captain America does, especially whenever it's like Bucky and Cap fighting each other because their powers kind of negate each other. And so you can kind of get that intimacy with that fight sequence. And, and Shang-Chi does a, a great job of doing that. Like I said, and they do it very well throughout the movie. I think, like Jason was talking about with Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, there is an amazing fight sequence that kind of stylizes those types of fights in this. And it's done amazingly well, and it, 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 it really fits in the movie. It's just like I said, the end just gets away from it. And I don't I don't really know why they went that route. But I mean, for the most part, I do think it's handled a little bit better than a lot of origin stories are in Marvel. I think this kind of goes back to one of the things I talked about, especially phase one Marvel that is so great about what Marvel did is they would take genre films and they would just tweak them with superhero shit. And that's kind of what they do with this. You get a very much a stylized, like you get some elements of the Hong Kong type of Kung Fu movie, like a Jackie Chan movie. You get elements of that. You get elements of a crouching tiger, hidden dragon and those very 
surreal stylistic kung fu movies or you know martial arts movies and so you get a lot of all those elements and then they just tweak it and make it superhero shit and for that I, I, I like the fact that they went back to that kind of formula with this it's just then they went for the later Marvel formula at the, at the end that made no damn sense I do think it's incredibly well acted. I do think that all the characters fit very well. I I, I loved Aquafina as Katie. I thought that that was a very well done character that kind of just balanced out everything, especially providing that kind of layperson balance to this movie that a lot of Marvel movies don't have. You know, I think I thought that was a very smart way of doing it. I really liked uh the sequences that you got whenever they went to that that arena and you know you got to see Wong fighting the abomination which i i really can't wait for somebody to explain that later because apparently Wong is into fixed fighting and participating in it for money which i think is i i think is great i just want to hear him talk about it more um Especially because while Wong does have that element of devil may care to him, he is still also kind of a buttoned up person when it comes to magic and stuff like that. So I want to see the justification for it because I I think it's great. I just want to hear him talk about it because I want to hear Wong justify it in that very Wong way. And I think it'd be amazing just to hear that said. Uh, I like those elements of it. I like how they developed the Ten Rings, which is something that has been in the MCU longer than a lot of the characters in the MCU have been. Because if you go back all the way to the first Iron Man, the Ten Rings is in that. You know? And then you get the bastardization of the Ten Rings in the Iron Man 3. And you get a story behind that. I like I like that they took something that is a running element. One of the longest running elements. Of the MCU. And tied it into this movie. Very well. It didn't feel like it was cheap the way they did it. It felt very thought out and very organic. And it worked very well. And so I appreciated those elements of it. And. Like I said. I thought this movie was very good up until that one part. And we'll go into that more in spoilers. So recommendations and scores guys. Yeah. Yeah. Recommendations and score. Uh, Heather, go. Yeah, I definitely recommend it. Um, again, even apart from it being part of the Marvel Universe, which has a lot of great movies, um, it's just a good action, fun, entertaining movie in a lot of areas. It's got a lot of elements in it. Um, there's fantasy elements. There's action. There's humor. Um, there's a good backstory of substance. It's got a lot of really good qualities to it, and it's just done in a very, um, a very solid way. So I definitely do recommend it. And, um, I do agree about the, um, the fight sequences and just how great those are. Um, that cannot be overstated. I feel like in this movie, it is really good stuff. So yeah, I do recommend it. Uh, the acting is really great. Um, there's a lot of people in this movie that this is my first time seeing them in really anything. So, 
um, I was impressed with that and their abilities and just how top notch they were in their performances. Um, especially, uh, Simu Liu, he was great. He was an excellent, excellent lead. So yeah, just, um, great job all around with the casting here and just the storytelling aspects and everything. And, um, it's also very visually beautiful too. So yeah, I think that's got a lot of great things going for it, like most Marvel movies. So yeah, I'll give it, um, I'm going to give it 87, um, big, huge villains with swords or a sword for an arm out of a hundred. All right, Justin, what about you? Yeah, highly recommend it. I think that as far as just um, the the lineup of movies that are out right now, this is one of the best ones you can watch. Um, if you're a fan of of Marvel movies and stuff like that, you're gonna it has element. It has something in there for you. You're gonna recognize. You're gonna like the flow of it. You're gonna like those elements, and it delivers on that. It it's gonna deliver on branching this to other superheroes and different things like that and uh, and other parts of the story so you get those cliffhangers and marvel that marvel loves to do that says well this story's not over yet it's it's going to continue on and some other stuff so you get some uh fun little tidbits uh at the end of this about that so it's got those uh you know some of those typical formula marvel things but i think that this is probably a character that that probably, you know, especially the casual fan probably doesn't know about. And I think that this was a great way to introduce this character to people who probably don't know who the character is. It was just well done. Like like Heather said, it's a beautiful movie. It's well shot. The action is great. We've already told you it's top notch. It's got one of the better villains in the MCU. And it's one of the better stories, I think. In the MCU, just as far as his family dynamic and the ultimate and ultimately the messages that this movie has. And it's just a ton of fun. And I mean, that's what a Marvel movie is supposed to be. That's what it should be anyway. You know, these are comic books and, and that's what. Uh, you, you know, you, that's what you pay for. You want to see something fun. You want to see something interesting, but you also want it to feel fresh and different from what you've seen. And I think that this accomplishes all of that. So yeah, I highly recommend it. I've already seen it twice and will probably wind up seeing it more times. So yeah, I would say go see it. And then after that, see it again so that you can, uh, see what you miss. Cause there's a lot of like subtle things in this very subtle in, um, it's underlying messages as well, but, uh, I, I, it, but I also think it's just such a well-told story. So we're going to go with, we'll go with 93, uh, karaoke sessions late at night when we know we've got work in the morning out of a hundred. Um, all my issues aside, I, I do think it is worth watching. It is very well done in a lot of ways. And I like how they set up a a, a lesser known Marvel character and like Shang-Chi or Shang-Chi like yeah, that's I mean that's how long I've known about him is the fact that like 
for the longest time. He's only been around in comics to where, for the most part, we didn't even know we were mispronouncing his name. Like, for so long, this guy has been Shang-Chi. And because there was never anything, he was never in any other media or anything like that, did we know that we were pronouncing his name wrong? Like, this guy has been around forever. Yet, this is the first time we've had something, like, real with him. And, like, just like a lot of Marvel characters. But it's it's really nice that they're broadening things and they're taking some of these things that have some terrible racial connotations to them from Marvel's past and updating them in a respectful and thoughtful manner. You know, like for all intents and purposes, the main villain of this movie is who Marvel fans would call the Mandarin. And we've had the Mandarin in the MCU and stuff like that. And, you know, and I like how they make fun of it. They make fun of the fact that that's a shitty name for a villain, and it's weird that white people were scared of that villain. Like, because it makes no sense in China to name a villain that. But it did in the 1960s, because, you know, they were on some racist bullshit. So, I like the fact that they tackle some of those elements of this story and these characters. I liked the, I liked a lot of the fight sequences in this. Like uh, Heather mentioned earlier, I really enjoyed the music. I thought visually this is a very spectacular movie. I like the fact that unlike some Marvel movies, the visuals didn't end up taking a downturn at the end of the movie. A lot of times, like in these solo movies, the visuals do end up taking a little bit of a weird turn. Uh, and I'm mainly in like an instance like this, I'm talking about like the end of Black Panther where when Killmonger and Black Panther are fighting each other on that railway, they kind of end up looking a little rubbery at times. And I, I like the fact that since these, you know, most of these characters are not in suits that cover their faces, they avoided going some of those routes of going a strictly all CG type of fight sequences that really kind of can detract from certain elements of this. So I appreciate that they actually had the forethought to keep that in mind when it comes to some of these things. I like the fact that we get some deeper ties to the MCU without kind of beating us over the head of, oh yeah, remember everything else in the MCU? Because, you know, I, I worry about that sometimes with Marvel with how they're, like, they're so big at this point, there's so much history that I kind of worry that they're going to end up kind of getting like some of the comic books that have been going for decades where it's like, Oh yeah. You remember this one thing from this other thing? Yeah, that. And so they avoid a lot of that without being like just completely numb to it all. Like they do mention the blip, you know, they, like I said, they have characters from other Marvel movies, but like I said, they're not just beating us over the head with it. They organically keep it a part of the story, which makes it flow a lot better, but also shows where it fits in the grander context of some of these things. I like the fact that at the end of the movie, like in the end credits, or during the end credits, they also use that to tie more into the bigger Marvel Universe. Like, after the whole movie played out, then they go in and tie it in a little bit further. But then also take that grand scheme type of thing, but then pull it back into like a full circle element of the movie. And they kind of circle back with it. 
to kind of going, remember again, this is where it all is in the place of everything, but we're still then going to pull it back into the strict, stricter context of this story. And I appreciated them doing that. It's just the final sequence of this movie, I think gets unnecessarily big in a very detracting manner. I think it does so at the sacrifice of some of the characters and the stories that they had been building up to in this movie. They kind of throw that to the wind just for the sake of going big. And I don't really think that that was completely necessary in this. Especially when you go big to something that doesn't necessarily tie in. If you're going to go that big, have that aspect of it tie more into the overall MCU with stuff we've seen before instead of just going into something like this. Or like what they did go into. So, while I do recommend it, I do think it's slightly unbalanced when it comes to that aspect of things. Um, And with that, I'm going to give it a score of... Oh, you know, let me see. If I'm taking that, I'm going to like add the two and, you know, remainder of a four and add that back in. (laughs) Uh, I'm going to give it an 80. I'll give it an 80. I'll give it 80. Uh, ooh. 80 uh, surprise Trevor Slatteries out of 100. Spoilers? Yes. Yep. Spoilers. I guess just, just to keep that ball rolling, I liked how they used Trevor Slattery in this movie. Anybody doesn't remember who that is? That's Ben Kingsley's The Mandarin from Iron Man 3. I liked how they tossed him in here. You know, that like, you know, because there is a a one shot that I know is on Disney Plus now that some people might not have seen because I want to say it was on Iron Man 2 or I mean 3 or maybe Thor 2 extra features. One of the like during phase two, they were doing a lot of these things called one shots. And they did one called All Hail the King. And it was Trevor Slattery in prison. And him kind of being the king of the prison because everybody's like, fuck yeah, this is the guy that stood up to Iron Man. Even though he was a drugged out wackadoo. Everybody just loved him. And then he ends up at like this, like a table and he's meeting this guy. And this guy's like, oh yeah, by the way, the real Mandarin is fucking pissed at you for taking his name. And it's like, yeah, we're about to break you out so he can deal with you. And you're like, oh, fuck. And then th- that ties in directly into this. Like, whenever, you know, he really does meet him, they're like, oh, you're just a useless fucking person. Like, I can't really kill you because you're just so you that you don't even realize what you've done. Like, killing you would actually serve no purpose. And that I'd much rather just, to myself, humiliate you by making you the jester. But at the same time, he's so him that he doesn't realize how much of a slight that is meant to be. Like, and it has one of the, I think, the funniest like monologues I've ever seen in a movie with him talking about planet of the apes and 
part of it could be. Yeah, that was funny. Because of TikTok, I watched all nine of the Planet of the Apes movies, but just his whole thing of talking about those movies and talking about how he was the the idea that that was people in makeup was just so like impossible to him that to him it had to be actual apes. But then on top of that, the, the apes couldn't actually ride the horses that they were just acting to ride the horses. It's yeah. just incredibly <laughs> funny and incredibly well written. You know, I liked all those aspects of it. And I even at the end when everybody's dead and you're like, oh no, did Trevor die? And he's just like, nope, I'm acting. And you're like, all right, Trevor. <laughs> yeah, right. You do you, man. And it's just like, it's just the idea of the bumbling buffoon that somehow just survives because he's just so inept that he can't die. Like that's weirdly like his superpower. He is so inept at everything that he is just downright invulnerable (laughs) because he will accidentally just not get stabbed by you. If you try to stab him just through no effort of his own, he will just accidentally not get stabbed. And you know my hats off for uh, my hats are off to Trevor. Uh, to get into more specific uh, spoilers with it, though, I did not understand why they had to go into that weird fucking demon bat tentacle soul eater monster versus a dragon fucking fight shit at the end of this movie. I don't understand. Why that had to be the route this movie took. Especially when you had had some good fighting between Shang-Chi and his dad. And then just to interrupt that to go, oh yeah, this complicated, layered, onion of a villain that we have so expertly crafted throughout this movie. Fuck him, he's dead. Here's some shit that doesn't matter, like that hasn't been in this before, won't be in anything later. Shit that we're just going to sacrifice him to. And I don't understand why the fuck they would work so hard on crafting that villain to throw him the fuck away with just no care in the world for anything that makes any fucking sense other than the fact that they wanted to make the ending of this movie more of a spectacle. Especially when Marvel has proven before. They are capable of doing smaller scale endings like one-on-one type of shit very effectively. And in some of their better, like best movies, when you look at the first Iron Man, while it is like a spectacle at some aspects, it is still just Ironmonger versus Iron Man. You know, Captain America is just Captain America versus fucking Red Skull. Like it, it, it might have grand implications or spectacular visuals, but the overall scale of what's happening can still just be a one-on-one style of fight that has stakes. You could even go the Black Panther route and have the Ten Rings fighting all the villagers and all this shit, and it still be them two fighting. And they did do that. They just went, you know what? We're going to cut this short and bam, kill him and throw in some fucking dragon shit. Like, what the fuck? 
I understand that you might want to bring in the dragon because that's that's the source of like the village's power and like the whole sacrifice with his mom and her spirit like supposedly or like her having left her magic with the dragon and wanting to bring that element into it. But you also could have had the guy with the tin rings fucking beat the fuck out of Shang-Chi. He fucking falls in the water. Dragon brings him out. Dragon fucking gives him the magic powers of his mom. And then he can fucking beat his dad. And you could still go that route and it not... Which is partially what this movie does. But then at the same time, like I said, it throws it all away. Just to have a fucking big-ass monster fight. And I don't... I just... I don't get it. I don't fucking understand why they would go that route. Why they would take this movie that was just doing so fucking good and just go, you know what? We need to fucking Godzilla this shit and have some fucking kaiju fight each other. I just don't know why. Like, you have this whole door to the dark world or whatever the fuck this thing is. And I just kind of realized that that's like a weird play on words with Thor of the Dark World. Anyway, you have this gate thing and all this other stuff. And I understand, like, with the, the, the him using the rings and, like, fucking hitting the gate, that it causes some of the little guys to come out. I could get that part. I can kind of get behind that aspect of it. Because then you can kind of have the element where, unbeknownst to them, like, the two main characters, the two main oppositions fighting each other, that, like, their soldiers had to fight those monster things to just survive, too, because they were all kind of running loose. But, like... I just don't understand why you had to go so big with it at the end and have it have no real context with anything. Like I was actually kind of thinking with how they were doing some of the soul sucking and things like that. And some of the the special effects, I kind of recognized that color scheme and thought like, Oh, maybe on the other side of this gate is Dormammu from uh, Dr. Strange. I'd be like, Oh, that, that'd be crazy. If like it's Dormammu fucking with this, like these people to try to open this gate so he can come into our universe and take it over. That would have made sense. But no, it's a fucking dragon tentacle monster bat fuck. And I'm just like, what? And maybe it could be that that is something that is deeply tied into the comic books. That is like, that is just the most Shang-Chi villain you could fucking throw out there. It still didn't feel right in this movie. Especially with the context in which they did it. I mean... Especially because, you know, for all intents and purposes, like I said, this villain is the Mandarin, while they don't call him that. I mean, that's who he's based off of in the comics. That's traditionally an Iron Man villain, but also has fought Shang-Chi in the comics. So there is at least that connection, even though, like I said, traditionally he is Iron Man villain, because that's where he was a first villain for his, you know, for a while he was Iron Man's nemesis. But anyway, like... It would have more made more sense if it was at least like, I don't know, like Fing Fang Foam was on the other side of that gate or something. Like, just something that at least has more known comic elements to it and something that or at least connects to something else in the MCU. I just don't understand the sacrifice of the characterizations you'd been doing to do that. I also don't necessarily see the point in like, Having to have Katie also become like this capable fighter person. I'm not necessarily against them doing it, but like that's one of the weird elements of this. It's like Katie is the comedic voice for like the first half of the movie. And then once Trevor Slattery is introduced, they switch. Like Katie becomes more serious and more instrumental in the thing, and she can fight, she can do this, she's more important. 
And Trevor Slattery just takes over the comedic elements. Like, that's just a weird idea that they have to trade off. Like, I thought both of them were very capable of just being that for the whole movie, or at least from whenever they were in. I just don't understand of why you necessarily need that flip in that when you could just have Katie also be that. Even though I like Trevor Slattery being in this movie, I also just don't see why you had to ha- sacrifice Katie being the comedic element for that big chunk of the movie. And they'll like the very, 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 very end of the movie. Oh, yeah, she's still the comedic character, too. You're like, well, it's weird. So just some weird, weird, weird choices to me at the end of this movie. But I will say this. There's a poster in, 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 in Shang-Chi's room in this movie, and it is a, of a very underrated movie called Kung Fu Hustle. And I'm actually kind of glad that they put that in this because Kung Fu Hustle is like the Shaun of the Dead of martial arts films. It makes fun of a lot of elements in martial arts movies. But then at the same time is a perfectly crafted like homage, like Two martial arts films while parodying them it also crafts a very well made one and it's just fucking hilarious the whole time too I do appreciate that they put that in this movie or that poster in this movie because especially the first like half of this movie kind of feels a little bit like Kung Fu Hustle it's got great fighting and is very 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 funny So I like the fact that they put that nod to that, which is also kind of a nod to Jackie Chan, because a lot of Jackie Chan movies are also funny. It's just, I think this fits more with the Kung Fu hustle style of things because of some of the supernatural elements that both of those movies do bring to things. Um, Finally, my one last thing I want to talk about right now. It might be a little too late, but Marvel slash Disney Quit putting shit on Facebook or on TV or just in general people will see little clips of this movie. Showing Shang-Chi with the fucking rings at the end of this movie. I can't tell you how many fucking clips of I, have I seen of Shang-Chi with ten fucking rings floating around him all fucking gold colored. Saying, oh, it's a triumph. Oh, it's this. Oh, it's that. I'm like, you are literally just giving away the end of this movie. And I know that it's obviously that's what's going to happen in this movie. But you also don't have to sit there and say, hey, this obvious thing that you know we're going to do, I'm just going to show it to you anyway. Like, <laughs> you, right. can, you can at least... I don't know, respect people and not show it. We all know that's what's going to happen. No one goes into this movie, especially after finding out, because regardless of what you know about the movie or whatever going into it, but nobody goes into this movie and finds out that that guy is Shang-Chi's dad and he has the Ten Rings and all this shit. Once you find out the information in this movie, there is not anyone over the age or under the age. Well, no. 
Yeah, there's not anyone over the age of, I don't know, let's just say eight, that doesn't know that Shang-Chi is going to end up with the rings at the end. We all know it. But at least respect us enough to just not show us that that is the case in your fucking advertisements saying that this movie is good. Just stop it. What is that bullshit? All right. I don't know. Uh, let's see. Let's start with, uh, Justin. Justin, you go. Cool. So I don't remember them showing. Uh, the only things I remember from th- that I saw were just from the previews where you see him and his dad kind of. And they've got five rings each and they do that whole little struggle pose where they're both kind of using some of the rings. I don't remember seeing anything where he had all 10 of them. Oh, I'm talking about maybe I just missed it. Literally earlier today, just scrolling through Facebook, there was a fucking link, you know, one of those like video ads for Shang-Chi. And it's like, you know, where they put the reviewers like little mini reviews on it, like saying it's a triumph. So good. Like all that shit. It's like, go see Shang-Chi today. But the whole thing of them putting the the, the little quotes in front of this, the video is Shang-Chi standing there with 10 fucking glowing gold rings round, like going around him. Like, you might not have seen it, but I literally saw that today. And it wasn't the first time I'd seen it, but like I'd seen it today. It might not have been in the trailers. I don't remember the last time I saw a trailer. But this was an advertisement for the movie saying, hey, go fucking see this movie because everybody likes it. <laughs> With There's like so many rings. scenes they could have done with that. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but it's just glowing ass Uh-oh. rings around Shang-Chi. And I was like, why? Oh, okay. Um, but no, man, man, I mean, like, I don't even know where to begin uh, talking about this because there was just like so much good stuff in it. But I mean, but I guess I'll just start with um, his father and just why I think that that was such a a well-done villain. Like, it's weird because, like, the father, in a lot of ways, it kind of reminds me of Dracula in the Castlevania series that you can watch on Netflix. Kind of similar wavelength. Like, I can see that. Like, you know... Like, you've got this father who was all-powerful because he had these ten rings, and then he meets um, a woman who kind of shows him another way, and she's just as powerful, maybe even more powerful than him, and kind of shows him a different way, and he changes his outlook of this thirst for power and everything like that, and then he changes, but then she dies tragically, and then he reverts back to, like, the tyrant monster that he was so all of that just kind of in a lot of ways reminded me of that and i really enjoyed castlevania and i don't know he just kind of reminded me of dracula so now he is mcu's dracula now (laughs) but uh but um but no i loved all of that i loved the father and what he went through and everything like that. And in a lot of ways, I thought that he was kind of one of the hearts of this movie because, man, just seeing what he went through and all the pain and everything like that, you you understood why he was the way he was. And I think that for any good villain, you have to show both 
sides of that. And I think that this was just one of the ones where uh, he was he was very well written. I just loved his dynamic, but I also loved how that grief and everything that he was doing tied in to his relationship with his kids. And so when you have uh, Shang Chi and um, his and his sister and how that played into everything with them, so I just loved all of that. And and, and when you look at like Shang Chi's relationship with with his father, um. A lot of this movie was about letting go and sort of like not just letting go, but also kind of just embracing kind of the good and bad aspects of your life, like understanding that all of that comes together to kind of make this whole person that is you, you know, not saying that, no, your bad things are really good, but it's more of an acceptance type of deal. It's more of an acceptance of what has happened to you and rather than run from those things you face those things so i just like how uh all of that came together for this uh shang chi character and i think that this just did a great job of showing that like early on him sort of running away from his past and now you know he's living in san francisco with katie and they're um, you know, they're car valets and they are, are pretty much, and even though they're smart, they have all this talent, they're like directionless almost. And they're really like just looking to just have fun and have a good time and everything like that. So I like how they start that way. And then of course the characters grow by the end of the movie, which is why I guess when I look at the Katie character, I didn't have too much of a problem with what happened and that character's arc at the end, you know, just like um, the old lady was kind of telling her whenever they were in uh, their mom's uh, kingdom and everything. If you aim at nothing, you hit nothing. You know, part of that was that because that character was very much like a complacent character that just didn't seem to have much direction and was kind of embracing that. And so I think that that at the end was kind of that character having some growth. And I like the way that they did it. You know, her in wanting to be there for Shang-Chi and wanting to be there for her friend, that led to her having some growth and, um, and, and, you know, and even though the, um, the the archer the guy that was like the archer teacher was like no you're not ready you know i don't want you shooting or anything like that you know it was just kind of one of those in a desperate situation she had she wanted to do something she had to do something and that is so she sort of wills that arrow and kind of helps our other main heroes at the end but i didn't have a problem with it given the what they had set up with the character and the arc that the character went on i thought that there was a good arc for that character and i never really thought that she wasn't the 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 comedy relief or anything like that um I thought she was always that she was always funny or even just like in uh, uh, or even like in awkward situations. 
Aquafina just has a way of saying something or acting or something like that that was funny and stuff like that. So I didn't feel like that ever changed really in the movie. I think that the character definitely had an arc, but she was still very much that fun, loving character. I never felt like there was a switch or there was a change or anything like that. I I just think that they just wanted to give the character a little bit of growth at the end. And I felt like they accomplished that without sacrificing ultimately who the character was, because I mean, we are still karaoke singing with Wong at the end of this thing. So I I don't think that they really sacrificed that character or changed that character. She just had an arc, you know, and in a well-written story, you're going to do that. I Honestly, I think I hate it in movies when the comedy relief person doesn't have an arc because most of the time, that's what they do. That's sort of the mistake that's made. The comedy character is just the comedy character and they don't change at all from beginning to end. So it was kind of refreshing to see a comedy relief character be more than that at the end. So I actually thought that that was forward thinking more than it was kind of uh, a lack, a a lack of quality or something in the film. Um, As far as like uh, also that with with just some of the cool things that they did like uh, with Michelle, yo, and whenever, um, Shane, she was learning how to um, do some of his mother's martial arts and everything like that. And I love that whole analogy of like the closed fist and the open fist. Like whenever he was fighting her, uh, Michelle Yeoh's character, which is like his aunt in this, he's fighting and defending himself with these closed fists. And I love just that symbolism of her taking his closed fist and opening it. Kind of, and you know, when you think of letting go of something, you know, when you're holding on to something, what are you doing? You're you're grabbing it with a closed fist, right? And and you could just tell that that was him holding on to all this anger, this pain, the the grief of his mother, the pain, the relationship with his father, and everything like that, and trying to separate himself from that and everything like that. And I love that. Just that gesture of opening something up. When you release something, that's what you do with your hand. You're letting go of it. You're um, kind of embracing this new possibility and you're letting go of that. And I, so I love that that was sort of the, um, the contrast with how he had been taught to fight by his father and ultimately what he needed to learn with his mother's martial art and where she had come from. So I just love the contrast there. Just little subtle stuff that they were doing there that I just thought was um, great. Uh, The sister, I thought, was another very good character in this. Um, And I want to get the actress's name right because I thought she was really good too. I'm going to say it's Mangir Zong. She was great in this, too, as Zha Ling. I thought that she was great, too. I, I like what they did with the sister, even though, yes, she was not the, uh, uh, a main character in the way that Shang-Chi was. I liked her introduction. I liked how they talked about how she wasn't allowed to train with him and everything like that. And this whole story about 
watching and do and imitating as best she could and sort of kind of developing her own fighting style and sort of um and then being able to do it as well as some of them you know it was a very kind of empowering kind of message in there and she had built her own uh empire and all this stuff and kind of had her own like fight empire and stuff where people came so i thought that that was cool just her determination to be independent and stuff like that i thought that that was really cool and i thought that it was great at the end of this that even though shang chi got his got the literal 10 rings i love how at the end at the final um after credit scene she got her 10 rings too you know she now is the leader of the 10 rings gang so i thought that that was cool too both the brother and the sister essentially got 10 rings but you know if so if you saw this 10 rings coming maybe you didn't see the sister getting her quote unquote 10 rings at the end so i like how they did that you know that whole parallel kind of story with the brother and sister so even that was cool um and and just to talk really quickly about the some of the fight scenes man that bus fight scene was absolutely amazing i just man and like going back and looking at it twice just all of the cool things they did with that you know you're inside the bus you're outside the bus there are these pan shots where you're seeing all this martial arts take place and we're moving from section to section of this bus and all this is happening and then a uh, razor fist just cutting through parts of the bus and just the dodging back and forth and then katie trying to drive this bus that has lost control because it's damaged and everything like that i absolutely loved that fight scene and then the and then i was like man dude that was such a ridiculous fight and then we go to the sister's um her hideout where she's doing this sort of fight club or whatever and they're fighting on the side of this like um construct building that's sort of being constructed so the so they're moving between these beams and boards and stuff like that and then and that was absolutely amazing too just the the back and forth and it reminded me so much of like a jackie chan style fight when you see shang chi or his sister using their environment and bobbing and weaving through these construction beams and stuff like that and um uh taking down these these bad guys and these henchmen it was really just amazing amazing stuff that 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 really just talking about it doesn't do it justice i mean you just have to see these fights for these fight scenes to just see how glorious they were and like we said they were just beautifully shot like you can see like like what whatever they did with lighting or whenever you you know we were behind a light and you see the silhouettes of the two characters fighting each other i mean man it was just all just amazing amazing and stuff you know just really just draw jaw dropping action scenes that i will remember for a long time so i just had to uh, uh re- mention briefly those two in particular because i absolutely love those and i get a little bit about what you guys are saying how at the end of the movie we did do some familiar marvel beats you know you've got these armies and these two big groups fighting each other so we kind of did that at the end of this movie and yes we did have some big cgi elements 
bad come into play at the end of this. And there's kind of this final uh, CGI monster that we have to take down and everything like that. But as I kind of alluded to earlier, we got those familiar beats, but I just felt like it was better done here than it's been in some of the other Marvel movies. I felt like it was better executed and it looked magnificent, man. When the dragon first comes up from the river and, and they had established that that was the guardian protector, that the first time they had this incident with this gate being opened and everything like that, that it was the guardian dragon that did protect them. So it made sense for the, for the dragon to then come back when this when this town is being, when this kingdom is being threatened. So I didn't too much have a problem with that. They exposited it. They set it up when they got there and that was sort of the payoff for that. So I didn't too much have a problem with that, but I thought the dragon looked amazing. And I loved how it was right out of the Chinese dragon uh, tradition. You know, you, you've seen that dragon is seen on paintings. You can see that on pagodas. You can see that drag, that dragon is all over Chinese culture. So I'm glad that it looked exactly like that. And the way it was bobbing and weaving around. And like, there was one part where it was traveling through the water and this blue light is being created because the dragon can use its magic to like manipulate water. So it was shooting like these water beams at the, um, we're just going to call it the mega soul sucker since that's what Katie called it. But that looked amazing to me. It was so colorful. It was so vibrant. And we weren't in a dark place where you can barely see anything and you know you can't make out what's happening like it was in wonder woman 84 this was completely the opposite so i think if you're gonna go big cgi do it this way because it just looked magnificent all the water flying around and all the colors i was enthralled with it i thought that it looked great i mean i thought it was very like picturesque but it also all kind of played into like some of the chinese and asian traditions so i actually found it to be kind of cool so even though i was getting something similar that i've gotten in other marvel movies i still i accepted it here i just thought that it was better executed the way that they did it um and I kind of, I guess, and, I, and in a way, storyline-wise, I get what they were kind of going for. The father was grief-stricken, and his grief and his want to have his wife back who had died and everything like that, and him sort of neglecting his kids and sort of going with these ten rings and, and that being his only thing was this quest to kind of get back something that he had lost that he couldn't get back. And never accepting that loss like his son was able to do ultimately was his demise. So I think I was okay with that. You know, I didn't need the son to kill him or defeat him or anything like that. I think it's rather poetic that his grief and him unable to accept that loss ultimately killed him. And he wound up opening something, biting off more than he could chew, coming to a place that he didn't understand, trying to do something that he thought was right. And he wound up being manipulated by something from like something otherworldly, and he couldn't handle that. 
And I think that there's something kind of beautiful about that. And his son adapted, changed, and was able to let go, which ultimately saved him and made him worthy to be able to take down this mega soul sucker where his father was consumed by it. So I, that worked for me. I felt like I got it. I felt like I understood what they were going for. And so many times we get the same thing where the villains just defeated by the hero and this, that, and the other. So I like that this was kind of different, man. I mean, they kind of went a different way with this. You know, this was more along the lines of Indiana Jones or something where the Pandora's box is open and the 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 villain dies because instead of trying to preserve something, he's greedy and the, the Pandora's box kills him. You know, it was kind of something similar to that. So I was I was cool with it. You know, I was cool with the way that they did that. But before that. We got a great one-on-one fight with him and his father and them going back and forth. And then we got kind of, then they added CGI elements with, um, uh, with Shang-Chi getting five rings and then his father having five rings. And that was a cool fight too. That was a cool back and forth fight too. So, and I think that what Marvel is doing clearly with this, you know, we've already been introduced that there's a multiverse. We've been introduced to this whole, th- this idea of we're opening up these portals and these realms to different places and things like that. And I feel like all of this is going to tie into the multiverse. I do think that there's something bigger behind that gate. And I do think that we are building to something that ha- probably has to do with uh, a Kang or a Mephisto or something like this. We're getting all these demon references where now, now we've introduced something where there's this gate and there are these demonic soul sucking things there and stuff like that. I don't think that that's so throwaway. I, I don't think Marvel is that they're that, that it's that lazy of writing where they would just forget about something like that and it would never be explained again. I think it's all going to tie together. I think it's going to all tie into the multiverse and I think it's going to all tie into the 10 rings. So I'm going to hold out for that and have faith that that's where we're going with this story. So I think there's a reason why you didn't get everything in this movie. And they sort of allude to that at the end when we're trying to find out where the 10 rings actually come from and where they are. And of course they don't give you all the answers because all of this is going to tie in. And the whole reason why the father was being manipulated was because these demons in this gate or whatever, they could sense that he had the 10 rings and they knew that that had the the ability to get them out. There's no way that that's the end of this story. You know, all of it is going to tie together later and you can mark that. I guarantee that you can come back to this and you will say that Justin is right. So that's just ultimately how I feel about it. So ultimately, like, uh, but uh, just to talk about a few flaws, and I'm sorry, and I feel like I'm going long, but just a few flaws, things that I just wish that they had done or um, expounded on more and things like that. Um, as far as just um, some of the elements that I feel like maybe they could have explained more or could have gone into more. Uh, I ultimately just wish that um, 
we like there were just some things like, like how when they were talking about the father at the beginning and they were like, he's been around for like, you know, several lifetimes and centuries and stuff like that. And he's been involved in all these things and changed the course of history and stuff like that. They sort of briefly just brushed over all of that stuff. But I wanted to know more. I was like, well, what did he do? Like, is he a prominent figure? Is he, you know, has he ever had to go into hiding or did he just like, you know, what exactly did he do? Did it tie into some other things that have happened in the MCU? I wonder, and we didn't know about, so that was just a detail that they sort of brushed over, like how long he's been alive and all this that he's done. And I mean, they did talk about the whole Mandarin terrorist thing. And I was, and it was cool that we got that tidbit, but I just wish that maybe there was a little bit more about what his, uh, influence has been like throughout history and stuff like that so i thought that that was um which just was just something that i was um wanting more of and then i also just one other story element thing i thought that it was a little weird that he sent assassins like if the whole point was just to simply get your um your daughter and your son together so that you could show them this map and show them how you were going to take them to your mother's kingdom and get her back and everything like that. Why send assassins to try to kill them? I mean, they were trying to kill them. Like it felt like it didn't feel like they were coming to capture. It felt like they were coming to kill. And I get that. He was like, you know, I, they, I didn't think, I told them that they wouldn't be able to kill you if you tried. And I'm glad that I was right. I get that, but I'm like, but damn, like they still could have. I mean, so, so, you know, I don't know. That was just kind of weird to me. Maybe if they were coming with the mindset to capture or something, if I had known, if they had showed him talking to them and him saying, look, it has to be alive, but you're going to have to defend yourself, but make sure at least he's alive or something like that. I don't know. Like, I, I feel like, you know, at any given point, you, you train these guys too. So is it possible that your son might've been a little rusty or something and could have been killed? Maybe. So I just thought that that was weird that if all he wanted to do was get their attention and get them, that was a, an awfully interesting way to do that. So. That's yeah, true. so so those would just be kind of two things where I was like, eh, I don't know. And I get we needed some fight scenes, but the motive was a little sketchy there. So, yeah, but 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 ultimately, that was where I fell as far as flaws that just stood out to me in the film. You know, with that aspect of it, I, I took it at least as just he really was just betting that no matter what. They wouldn't be able to kill him. Or it's like, if they were able to kill him, are they worthy of being my children type of thing? And that's just at least how yeah. I see it. Okay. You know what? You're probably right. And then maybe that was it. Like, if he couldn't outlast these guys, then he's not worthy. Then he shouldn't be here with me to, yeah, I get that. I get that. Uh, Heather, what about you? Yeah, so, I mean, I'm going to agree with a lot of things that you guys said. Um, I first want to talk about um, uh, Tony Leung, the guy who plays the father. Um, I 
there was something just very enthralling about his performance. I just, I, I agree. I just think he was a very well fleshed out villain. Um, again, uh, I know we've talked so many times about how Marvel does, you know, do some really great villains, at least in like the later stuff that they do. And this isn't really an exception to it. Like I just really, there was something really great quality about how he did his, his performance. Um, you know, you just, you feel that sadness that he has and you see that in his eyes and you, but you see this just like, I still have to be strong and I'm still the most powerful person. And, you know, just I'm on a mission and I'm one track minded with it and I'm stubborn and all these things with it. Like you just see all of those things and just kind of knowing why he's like that with it is he just, I think he was so great at, at portraying just this villain with a specific purpose and understanding the reason why he's a villain. Um, And I, I just really appreciated his performance in this. Um, And I think that um, the sister, um, the one, her name is uh, Mangere Zhang. Uh, She, she was fantastic. I loved her. I loved her fighting style. I loved just her, um, her confidence and just sort of how she was so independent and also understanding why she was so independent. She basically had to learn all these things on her own and um, teach herself everything and grow up by herself in a sense. And you can see that being just the reasons why she is so independent and so confident and just so strong in her, um, in her skill, but in her mindset. And I find it interesting too, because I was looking up this actress and this is literally the absolute first movie that she has ever been in. And I am very impressed by that. Yeah. That's awesome. Wow. She's fantastic. And I never would have known that because I was like, man, is she in anything else that I can see? You know, and this is literally the first thing she's ever done. And I, I just think that's so impressive that she was on this level of just quality acting with all of these other great players in this, you know? And I mean, it is just so, you know, very, very impressive. So props to her for that. She was, she was fantastic. I mean, she was one of my favorite characters just because she was just so just believable and just so, I don't know. There was just something about her that I was drawn to know, like what's going to happen with her character in this movie. Um, and I, and again, like I loved her fighting style and I loved that, um, you know, she had like the rope thing with the, I just, I loved that whole thing that she did. Um, you know, and she's just like this boss, you know what I mean? Like (laughs) just even at the end of the movie when she is in charge of the 10 rings and how she's just like, let's do it. You know, she was just really this self-assured, just great character. Um, and then again, also Aquafina was so fantastic. Like I do feel like her being the comedic relief was a little bit more toned down in this. And I think Sterling's right that it's because they had another, uh, comedic relief sort of later on in the movie. Um, but she still did a great job, even in her more subtle humor that she was doing in this was great. 
but it was paired with this actual character development that she was getting. And I do also agree. I'm not sure why they like necessarily needed to have her be this person that has like the skill set now, but I did appreciate her story of like, I don't know what I'm passionate about. I don't know what I'm good at. Like, I don't know what I'm doing with my life kind of thing. And I, I loved that because I think that's just so relatable <laughs> to a lot of people. And, and I also in, enjoyed that whole scene when she's talking to this lady and the lady's like, you know, if you aim at nothing, then you hit nothing. And I, I just loved that whole thing. And that was a very, like, very geared towards her and her character type of thing. And I just really enjoyed that. Um and then again, like Shang-Chi is, man, he was so good. Like, and again, I mean, I know he's been in other things, but I haven't seen him in anything else. And I just think he was fantastic. He was so good. Like he just, every, every emotion, every, um, yeah, everything that he was supposed to be showing you and giving you, he did. And then his man, his his fighting and everything. And man, he was just so good. I was very impressed by him too. I do like really my biggest complaint, I guess about this movie is I feel like, I mean, it definitely was it's Marvel-y self, you know, it had a lot of those Marvel elements and hit those Marvel beats that we talked about. Um, but when they started getting a little bit more into the fantasy elements of things, I feel like it got a little bit less like a Marvel movie. And I'm not saying that that's like, it it was bad, but it just, it, it didn't give me a Marvel universe vibe as much when they had like the creatures and like the, the mystical land that they were going to that the mother was from. And, you know, we've had that in movies before, obviously, you know, like so many uh, Marvel things about space and about, you know, all of these things, like we've had it, but for some reason, the way that they did it with this it just kind of felt a little bit like a different tone when they did those elements um, in conjunction with the rest of what was going on in the story. So it was just kind of, you know, that wasn't my favorite transition because I just, it, for some reason it didn't have as much of that Marvel-y quality feel of what this movie was when they did that aspect of it, but that's just me. Um, but that being said, you know, I, I do, it's not something again that like completely took me out of the movie or anything. It's just, I didn't enjoy those aspects of it as much as the rest of it. Um, I think that the bus fighting scene actually might be my favorite fight scene in the whole movie. Um, I completely agree, Justin. There were just so many crazy things that they did there. And (laughs) you know how you see some movies where, they're doing like a coordinated fight scene and you can kind of tell like it's coordinated and you're just like the scenes when it's like, Oh, they're doing a punch, but clearly the other guy's waiting on it and waiting to do this move. And like, it just looks like it's choreographed. And in this, it just, it didn't have that feel to it. Like it just felt like straight up just great fighting, you know? Um, and that scene too that uh, Sterling referenced earlier, um, that has sort of like the crouching tiger hidden, <laughs> crouching tiger hidden dragon like element of fight style to it, um, which I believe you're referring to 
when the mom and dad first meet, right? I, I did think that was a very yeah beautiful scene and it was a very it was really good. And that definitely obviously was like a choreographed fighting thing, but it fit. It really did fit with what they were doing in that moment for the movie. And um it was just such a beautiful scene. You know what I mean? So I just really um, I enjoyed that aspect. And yeah, so you get to see different types of fighting style and things like that. But I just, that bus scene was just so good. And I was like, man, if this is how they're kind of starting out the movie, like the rest of this is going to be crazy. And it was, it was great. The fighting was consistently great throughout, but I just, that was such a big way to start the huge, you know, action parts of it. And that it just was the best um, fight sequence or fight scene to me. But not to say the others were bad. It was just that one was really great. And I think it might have been just like the cool like music that they mixed in with it. And I don't know. It was just something about that whole scene that was really great. Um, and then, yeah, again, like the dynamic between Shang-Chi and Katie was great. Because you really, like, at least for me, I was like, I don't know. Are they going to, like, have a thing for each other? Are they going to just be friends? Like, I'm not really sure what's going to happen here. But whatever is going on, it works. <laughs> like, keep it as it is. Don't tell us anymore if you don't want to because it still just works. But they're just so great. Like, their chemistry is so great that you're, you're just like, I just want to see more scenes of you guys hanging out and, like, being yourselves, you know? Um, so yeah, I just, I, I appreciated that they have those very relatable characters that they're putting in these situations that they wouldn't normally be in like Aquafina. Um, I wasn't sure at first how I felt about the fact that the way she found out about Shang-Chi's skills, um, part of me feels like that could have maybe been done in a different way. Like, or maybe she didn't have to be completely thrown off by the fact that he could at least fight, you know, maybe not know the whole backstory of like him running away and what was going on, but at least knowing that he had some kind of fighting skills, I feel like it would have been fine for her to know a little bit of that, but maybe just not as much. But at the same time, that is also part of what makes that bus scene so good is like her just being like what is happening right now like this is crazy so i i had mixed feelings about it and the more i thought about it the more i was like okay this actually does work but i just think if they had done it in a different way i guess it would have also been fine if that makes sense but yeah i just um i don't know i i liked the the scene when the um the village of people and the army were just kind of fighting each other was really great. And elements of that, that I kind of cared more about than when it was like the dragon fighting the squid thing, you know, <laughs> like, and again, yeah, it turned into kind of more of a monster movie thing at that point, And that's fine. But I wasn't as invested in that sort of fighting scene as the rest of it. And also Michelle Yeoh, I love her. I think she's great. And I also think that she just doesn't age like ever. I feel like she looks the exact same as she did like 20 years ago. Like she's just like consistently youthful and beautiful and she is great. And I think she's a great actress too. Like 
even in movies when she's not fighting, like in um, Crazy Rich Asians, when she's the mom. Like, she's just got range. And I just, I'm so glad she was in this movie. I actually thought, just because I knew, you know, she was in the movie from the trailer, I thought she was going to actually end up being the mom. Like, their mom, but older, you know? I really thought that's the direction they were going to take that in because it's Michelle Yeoh. Like, use her well in this movie if you're going to use her, you know? But the way that they did it and who they made her, like, that was perfect. So I'm glad. I'm glad that she was used in a really great way in this film. Um, Yeah. So I, I just, I really think all around the performances worked so well with the story they were trying to tell. And yeah, I just, I do think as far as Marvel movies go, it is going to be up there for me on the most entertaining and and best like fight scenes that I've seen um, in, in a specific movie. So yeah, I think overall that's, that's really my thoughts on it. Um, Again. Yeah. Just a little bit of like tonal shifts that, we're just kind of like, yeah, that could have been done a little bit better. I feel like it just didn't transition as well when they did that. But again, it doesn't take away over the whole of how good the movie was. Um, and so, and I also liked the scene when um, Shang-Chi and Katie get to where their dad is and they're having kind of like that family dinner type of thing. And I don't know what it is about that scene that I liked, but just kind of seeing the dad's personality, like just how you could see him being like this very charming and very professional business, like, you know, kind of guy. And just like how you can see that Shang-Chi just knows like who his dad really is and how he's just trying to, I I don't know, just the way he's carrying himself and the things that he's saying like, I, I just like how they made him this guy that is very charming and very easy to like listen to everything he's saying and just believe everything that he's saying. And then Shang-Chi knowing like, I know who my dad really is, you know? So it, it was just kind of a cool kind of character development moment that I think I saw in that scene. So I really enjoyed that as well. But, um, but yeah, I think that it was just a really solid movie. Yeah, I can see a lot of that. I didn't even think about some of the things like I had looked up his sister and like I re- and, and then I saw that she had no other acting credits and then I remembered like a year ago that that was a big deal that they hired her because she hadn't been in any other movies. I forgot what it was though. Oh, really? That, yeah, like I I remembered that after looking it up earlier like right when we were st- starting this episode I looked it up. Just to see like where other people have been in and stuff like that. And and then I saw that she hadn't been anything. I was like, oh damn. And then I just remembered like that was a big deal. Like a year, year and a half ago. Whenever the fuck they announced the cast for this movie. That it was a it was a big deal that Yeah, she hadn't been in anything. Um She'll probably get a lot of stuff after this. She was fantastic. Oh yeah, definitely. And I don't know. I've got like since Justin since you made like this guarantee of sorts 
of the connection to something like returning back to this movie, especially with the, the little demon monster fuckers. Um, I guess I'll go ahead and say my little theory about this too. And the reason why I don't necessarily think that those monsters are really going to matter unless they, unless they end up being tied to this. And I just don't think that'll be the case, but I think the 10 rings themselves and the connection that they're hinting at in the mid credit sequence for this movie I think that that is hinting towards the Eternals, which is the movie we're getting later this year with it. Um, because they were, they, they, they stressed how old they were, you know, and they are introducing the Eternals, which are essentially going to be superheroes from the dawn of mankind type of situation with the Celestials. So whether or not they're calling out to Celestials or, to the Eternals or whatever, I think that that's going to be the tie-in with the rings and other movies that they allude to in that is, I think, going to be the to the Eternals. Plus, when they're on Shang-Chi and the way they're glowing all gold-like, uh, that is very much like the same type of gold ornamentation that they have shown in the Eternals trailers. And for those monsters to tie into that aspect of it, or if they're going to tie into the same thing the rings tie in, you could argue that maybe that those creatures are tied into the deviants. It's just from what I've seen of the deviants, I don't think that part will be the case. It very well could be, I suppose. But it's just like with the multiverse, these wouldn't tie into King. And I don't really see where they would tie into Mephisto, per se. That's very much not his way of doing things. At least traditionally speaking. I think like the one you could argue they might tie into Dormammu still. That is possible. Or they could tie into any of the other random fucking things that are in the Marvel Universe. I mean, they could tie into the one below all for all I know. Which is like the Marvel equivalent of the actual devil. Well, like Mephisto is a devil. And like... If anybody is ever wondering how deities work in, in the Marvel universe, at least specifically, all pantheons are kind of, they, they exist. So if, you know, like the Greek pantheon with Zeus and all them, they exist. The Norse pantheon exists. And whatever version of heaven or hell that they have also exists. So like in Norse mythology, you know, you have Valhalla and hell, uh, and those do exist both in the Marvel Universe. So Hell, with its H-E-L, is like a subplane or whatever in Marvel's version of overall Hell. So like like Hela from the, you know, that we saw in Thor Ragnarok, she would control Hell within Hell. And like Mephisto controls a realm of Hell. Then there's like, what's his name? Hellstrom. I think him or his father, one of them, because he's the son of the devil or whatever is like he runs a version of it. So there's, they're all broken up into weird, like interdimensional planes within existence. Like, and I mean, so much as there is technically the character God in the Marvel universe as a character and the Christian pantheon, if you will. Uh, but then there's also the one above all and the one below all alluding to what would be ultimate good and ultimate evil. Um, and there's weird ties into the incredible Hulk when it comes to the one below all and all kinds of shit. But I mean, my point with all that is, is 
that the, that that soul creature thing could technically tie in to any number of evil godlike beings or whatever in 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 the Marvel universe. It's just with the way it played out. I don't think even if they do end up tying it in later, I don't think they did a good enough job in this movie of tying it in enough. Because yeah, you can have all this shit and then be like and then four movies down the road you'll be like, ah, oh, remember the shit? Yeah, haha, we're tying it in now. There are elements of stuff that they don't tie into anything later in the Marvel universe. They've done it a few times. Now, you can argue that they were useless plot points, but it wouldn't be the first time they developed an idea, did it, and went, oh, fuck, let's get rid of that. Especially whenever you're in the business of just murking off villains left and right. I mean, that's that's also putting them in a weird conundrum. I know that all these characters that they're doing have multiple villains, but... How many villains are actually worth putting on the fucking screen? Like, realistically speaking. I mean, it's kind of good that they killed off Iron Man at some point because they had already kind of gone through most of his, like, interesting villains. And, you know, like, what are we going to end up getting, like, Crimson Dynamo? Like, the, like, D-level Iron Man villain bullshit? Or, like, as much as MODOK is a great character in the comics... How would you really do a real good version of Modoc in the movies? Because just that fucker looks weird. And it's not that they couldn't change it for the sake of like the movies, but it's just Modoc's got a very iconic look. It'd be weird to change it because like it's kind of what he is. And so it's just like when you go through all these villains and you're you're killing them and you're killing them and you're killing them. It's you're going to end up running into these problems of like, well, fuck, maybe we shouldn't have killed off every fucking villain we've had in one movie. I just, and that's, what's weird is they took this villain and they did kill him off. And like I said, I understand that that was like part of his arc as he grew and all this other stuff. He sacrifices himself for a son, blah, 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 blah. Just to fuck. It felt a little cheap. And then like, you have the dragon things and like, you know, I get it. Like the, the special effects and everything with it were beautifully done. I just, it's just very kind of unceremonious. And like, they've really, I think if they just go in and say later, like, Oh, yep. See, it was the deviants. These are actually, those were deviants that they took on. And, you know, they were able to beat deviants because, you know, they were using eternal technology, whatever. That's fine and all, but like at the same time, like, all right, cool. Like, they tied it into the exert like to the Eternals, but at what cost? Like that kind of does sacrifice a little bit of this movie to throw in some shit for the Eternals. When I think that they it would have been better served if they just did all this, because you know what the Eternals don't necessarily need? A bunch of fucking references that set them up, considering nobody fucking knows what they are. Like I'm very well versed in comics, and I could maybe only write a paragraph on what the fuck the Eternals are. I'm not even saying that as a slight of I'm not excited to see that movie because I kind of am because like I think Guardians of the Galaxy or even even Shang-Chi prove as far as movies go that 
they can take these characters that you don't know shit about. Even big comic fans might not know a damn thing about them. And make an interesting movie that still works. And I do think Guardians of the Galaxy was the first of that. I mean, I guess you could argue Iron Man was, because when Iron Man was made, Iron Man was very much like a C-level hero. Maybe a B-minus. But nobody really gave a fuck about Iron Man. Iron Man hadn't really been interesting in the comics since... Well, shit, since Demon in a Bottle. And since then, he had, like... They did all these crazy-ass storylines where it turns out Tony wasn't actually Howard Stark's son, and then future Tony Stark, or future son of, or great-grandson, or whatever of Tony Stark comes back in time, and now he's the new Iron Man... All kinds of bullshit that they were fucking around with Iron Man with because he wasn't a big deal. Nobody gave a fuck. And then they just made the movie because, you know, that's all they had at the time. They didn't have a lot of cinematic rights to a lot of their characters, so they did that. You know? So, I mean, Marvel is capable of doing this, but I do think it's cheap. If it ends up tying into the Eternals that they are deviants, well, that's kind of cheap because then they're just deviants. And uh, who cares? Just have the Eternals fight Deviants. Why do we need Shang-Chi to fight Deviants? That would just be, like to me, a weird fucking cop-out. And I think that's why, I think honestly, that is why I don't give this as, like, as beating Suicide Squad. It's, I think Suicide Squad told, beginning to end, a better narrative with like everything making more sense. Like by having Starro and them fighting him and the team that they had fighting Starro works better than this movie going, yep, we have all these interesting characters. Now watch some fucking monsters fight. Beautiful monsters, but still just weak. Anyway, so that's my thoughts. That's why the, the rings will tie into the Eternals, specifically the rings will. For a fact. That's that's my head noggin. I need to learn I how like to tell it. my I need to tell my theories more like Justin because it took me way too long to tell that theory. <laughs> anyway, uh you guys got more thoughts, final thoughts, anything like that on Shang-Chi. I am good. Are you there, Justin? Blew his mind with your theory. Did we lose him? I don't see anything about it. Are you on mute, Justin? No, he's not. I'll just have to cut all this out. All right. Well, thank you guys for listening to this episode of the Cinema Slayers podcast. Check us out on the internet at www.cinemaslayers.com. Check us out on Twitter and Facebook. Or no, well, just Facebook where we're Cinema Slayers podcast. Twitter and Instagram where we are Cinema underscore Slayers. Or check us out on uh, TikTok where we're Cinema Slayers pod where I'm doing five months straight 
of watching a new, well, watching a different movie every day for five months and putting a little one-minute review on the TikTok. So watch all that. I'm not going to go into my normal spiel like I do every one uh, at the end of every one of these because, uh, you know, uh, this week, just earlier this week, uh, Michael K. Williams passed away, and it's a very like big deal to me because Michael K. Williams is one of my favorite actors, and and with all that, like he. I, I mean, I've been with, been on him since The Wire, and ever since then, too, with uh, when he did The Night of Lovecraft, Lovecraft Country, which we've talked about on this podcast. Uh, there's also a show that I'm a huge fan of that not too many people have seen, but they did three seasons of it on IFC called Happen Leonard, and uh, he was one of the main characters on that. And I've just, I've always loved Michael K. Williams, and... Uh, everything he always brings to the screen, and the interesting way that he approaches his roles, and... I've just always loved that, and uh, unfortunately, uh, he did pass away this week, too. Um, what appears to be a drug overdose, which is something that he has been quite outspoken about with his history with drug usage and everything like that. So it's just unfortunate that um, that, that came back into his life and that uh, it happened the way it did this week. And so um, just, you know... Kind of don't know what to say like this because, like I said, it was a really big deal to me that he died. So this is just kind of my like in memorandum or in memory of Michael K. Williams. That, like I said, one of my favorite actors. Um. So, just uh, give his family and your thoughts and everything like that, and uh, just shout out to Plug Migo and Mundo Cho for theme song and logos respectively, and just remember, according to Justin, Moon Knight is a Best Picture winner. Can you hear me? Am I back? Yes, you are. Somebody will listen to me. Nobody knows anything but you. Okay. Alright. Are you ready? Cinema Slayers. Sorry, Cinema fans. Slight uh, malfunction. With the um, equipment, but I was able to uh, restart it and get back uh, in the recording. And I just wanted to say, yeah, I I, I um, agree with everything that Sterling said. Um, I was introduced to that actor because of you, Sterling. You know, you were the one that suggested the the wire and everything like that. And that was really the first time I saw him in a in, in a role where I was like, man, this guy is excellent and so to hear the news of his passing was extremely tragic so i just wanted to say that if i could and sorry i had that little interruption there but um but yeah i just wanted to at least jump in and say something about him he was a great actor and rest in peace and i just i guess this would be as good a time as any to mention some wire lore surrounding him as a character of omar supposed to die in the first season but everybody loved him michael k williams so much that they did not kill him off in season one but that's one reason one of the reasons why he was gone for so much of season two is because they had already started writing season two and like i said his character was supposed to die i think in the last episode of season one his character was supposed to die 
and they'd already started writing season two, so they just didn't know what to do with him, and that's why he was gone for a lot of season two. And then, you know, came back, and he's just one of the most iconic characters on a show full of iconic characters, but, you know, that's my little Michael K. Williams, Omar Wire trivia for you guys. And he was excellent in Lovecraft Country also. Um, So that was great, too. And then just him playing characters, you know, like him playing characters of different sexual orientations and taking that on and playing them, you know, with respect and doing those roles like and not just being stereotypes, not being, you know, the fact that he played important roles and represented you know the, that part of that part of the population; those p- people who are like that, and re- and and sh- having that representation and being willing to take that on, and and doing a great job at it, and and you know, taking on those well-written characters the way he did, I think is a testament to him too. He played some not only just great characters with his acting, but he also played some groundbreaking characters story-wise as well. So I think that should be noted too. I will say this, like if you really do love him in The Wire and in Lovecraft Country, I really cannot stress enough how much you would absolutely, completely just head over heels love him in Happen Leonard. Like Happen Leonard is a show based on a book series that not too many people know about. But it's a it's about a white and black guy who are like best friends growing up in like in the eighties in like racist ass Louisiana and Texas. And it's super fucking great. I have to watch that. I have not seen that, so I will have to get on that. And both seasons, or all three seasons, aren't that long, because I want to say there's only a handful of episodes per season. You know, it's not, like, crazy long, and it's fucking great, and it's full of other actors that you totally know from so many other things. You know what I mean? Like, uh, Heather would know, uh, what's his name? Uh, Corbin, fuck, can't remember his last name. The dad from Psych. Um... Yeah, um, yeah, he's Vincent. in one, or he's in a season. Uh, Christina Hendricks is in it. Um, also, the guy that played, uh, shit, the the creepy guy that was obsessed with Yin and Yang, um, Leslie. Oh, Mary, Mary. yes, he's in it. Uh, Jasta yeah. would know him from other uh, things too. Like he, he's in yeah. it. He, yeah. Um. But like, yeah, it's there's there's a lot of fucking great actors in it that just show up because, like, you know, like I said, it's just a few episodes uh, each season, but it is just an amazingly well acted and well told story arc with uh, and the main characters. Like I said, one of them, Michael K. Williams, and the other guy is. Do you remember in the Knight's Tale, the guy that plays like the the Black Prince that everybody was scared to fight, but Heath Ledger did, and so he like freed him later. Yeah, yeah, that guy. He plays the other guy. Those are the two main characters. Michael K. Williams and him. And they're just fucking fantastic. Like, it's almost watching it worth watching it just for them alone. But by adding in all this other stuff, it's just an incredibly well done show. And especially like if you like what he does. I mean, like Michael K. Williams always just always brings his A game, but 
I think he actually takes some of those aspects of that people love about him from The Wire and from like Lovecraft Country or The Night of or something like that, and he just kind of knocks them up a notch. And on top of that, it's got some jokes in it too. So it's a very funny and, and serious and just well-told narrative. So Happen Leonard, it's there's three seasons of it out. It is no longer going. That's something that they had ended a couple of years back. But three seasons, it's amazing. Everybody should check it out.